Hello and welcome to Funny Business, the podcast for free thinkers. I'm Robbie Hicks. And I'm Lockie Bradford. And on today's episode, we have big bad Michael Beveridge. Um, one of the best blokes we've had on the pod, I reckon. He is out of control. He's a content director at Bailey Nelson. He's done some work for Koala. He's, he's had his own radio show. And to be honest, some of the stories in that that he told in this pod, it's quite funny and quite deep, isn't it? He's out of control. Oh, it's good, isn't it? He He's off the it. chain. He's, He's off the chain. These are the type of episodes that I love. I love going down rabbit holes, but I do really love talking about content. What works, what converts, how you should be looking at the data and using the data to make uh, bias-free, ego-free decisions on how to proceed. So lots to learn on this episode. Uh, if you're in any sort of game, which is just business and you want to learn how to market products, storytelling through content, copywriting, uh, performance marketing versus organic creative, this episode is for you. I'll just make sure Great, man. Thank you for jumping on, chatting with us today on the Funny Business Podcast. For those at home listening, tell us who are you and what do you do? My name is Michael Beveridge, uh, and I'm just a really likable guy on the internet and in uh, companies. I'm the content director also of Bailey Nelson. <laughs> a really likable guy. I, but but that's, that's what, he's, he's nailed it though. You are pretty likable. We were digging through the Instagram before the chat, and I know you don't use it that much anymore. You haven't been posting lately, or you just, are you we'll one of that. the workers? We'll get to that. Uh, look, it's, uh, I, I mean, if you want to get straight into it, yeah, yeah, get into I it. I think the very the notion of being perceived has a time limit, and I had to experience it a lot at a really high concentration uh, fairly early, and it made me realise that um, beyond you know a two thousand dollar content post payment, uh, the perception of other people was too high risk, too low reward. So, uh, and it also changed the way people uh, engage with the thought process of uh, external of, of output. Like I would find you have these dumb fucking idiot content create like beauty blog, but you'd have a beer with them and be like, you're a good bloke. So there's some thing that switched inside your head that was like, this is what I need to put out into the world. And I, I don't think that's a good thing. But then again, you know, you know, I, I, I eat butter with a spoon. So it's not for me to say, I suppose, what's a good thing and what's a bad thing. That's just the reason I've laid off. What, if you can't you take the good without it, the bad, it, then don't do it. What, what do you think it is about the internet and how it works with like content and people sharing opinions across these platforms where it, it goes down that people like they, they say hurtful things. They do like, why do you think it's like that? Is it because people think of this alter ego, they're online, they don't think they have to be themselves or. Yeah. Look, this, I mean, pain sells. Easy. Yeah, true. Um, like, but this and I'm 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 sure Seth Godin or someone's done something like this, but you know, more people are happy to share a negative experience than a good one, and a good experience is indicative of a a good lived life. And people hate people living good lives. Yeah, that's why we only share the good bits, and we get so fucking jealous of everything. But um, yeah, I yeah, uh, I think the the troll thing. I remember I used to initially have the thought that on the, I mean, you've got the big four you know, a consultancy bank lawyer places, the big four socials. So like Twitter, YouTube, uh, Facey and oh, Pinterest maybe, but I don't know. Like you shouldn't be able to have an account on it. Oh, Reddit would be the other one. You shouldn't be able to have an account on it unless you provide ID verification. Now there's been some big discussions about what that does for like whistleblowers and the ability to like call out inappropriate behavior. And I just... 
like in some things, it's, I'm like, ah, it's the minority and it's like, but it still affects people. So if you want to be an overall net good person, you have to not do that versus someone calling someone, you know, say, someone saying on Twitter four years ago that Scott Morrison shat himself at Angadine Mackers and now it's something that literally everyone thinks really happened when it was just Don, Donny Joyride saying it once and it got a bunch of retweets and we're all just like, this is what it is now. It was pretty funny that that's, that's come off as truth though. Oh, 100%. Any like middle suburban person is just like, yeah, our prime minister shit himself at a McDonald's restaurant. <laughs> What's the, um, was it Idris Elba who had the idea of like giving everyone blue ticks on, on that? So in terms of like, in terms of the identity, that is the correct person. You know, I think he had a, he posted something about it maybe last year. As in that he was the person on Twitter that, no, no, not that. In terms of um, Instagram, I think it was in terms of making sure everyone's um, who they say they are. Verify. Yeah, like everyone gets a blue tick of like, yeah, that's... You get it on Tinder. Yeah, yeah, true. Like if you've got a verified account, it means you've sent in ID and like that's really helpful. It yeah. stops people getting like spammed. It stops people getting catfished. Two yeah. big problems that are solved really quickly. But like with all humans, we're terrified of identification and holding on to our data, except when smart tech companies can obfuscate that they're using it, and then we sort of enjoy the ads that they give us. <laughs> and, and enjoy it, we do. But hey, tell us, how did you get into the content game? How did you become passionate about it? How did you, when did you realize that it was a thing and it was important? And that's Brother, you're born into the content works? game. It's in your DNA. No, like, this is a really interesting one, because I remember when I got my first, uh, I was studying... Like I did theatre in my first as my first major or course at USQ. The course was so shit they just got rid of it, um, which is big for a university just to get rid of a course oh, during the year I was there. I'm like, oh, this probably isn't for me. Um, uh, I went into then arts and I was like, oh, I probably want to get an actual job. And so I got a business degree. And it wasn't until I was 23 that I found a subject called copywriting, which to that stage I thought was law, and I was like, absolutely zero interest. And I it's just observations and being able to externalize that through output and the output comes through learning how to write learning how to design learning how to present learning how to uh code ux stuff like that but uh like any great like i, I think all comedians are great copywriters it's it's an observational thing they just might not be good writers so they can't present it in a short tight way um so doing that did copywriting for a while uh, was full, was working full-time in an agency when I was still full-time at uni. Uh, I got my agency at the time. They were like, oh, we want to nominate you for Big Brother. We think you'd be good at it. And I was like, no. And they said, we'll give you a paid day off to go to the trials. And I was like, I can be out of there by 8 a.m. in Brisbane and I can go to Cedar Creek Falls and I can do a backflip off the big rock. So that's sick. And none of those things happened because I stayed in there till like the fifth round and I was out at 6 p.m. And then there was another two months of just auditions and psych tests. And then that all happened. You know, I don't, I don't think there's too many learnings that can come from being in there because I went to boarding school as well. And it was just quite similar you'd have a voice come over the PA and it would tell you that something's happened. And if you said the C-bomb quite loudly, you would get punished. Uh, and the older people didn't like you singing uh, IP songs that would ruin their, uh, their broadcast. Um, so got out, I got snapped up by uh, the breakfast radio team in Adelaide called SAFM. Uh, which is like the two-day FM or the B105 or the Fox or the 92.9, I think, in um, Perth. Uh, I did that for two years. 
which was, hey, Michael, come in at 4.30 in the morning every day and bring three content pieces. And they sometimes they'd be, brilliant. they'd be like, oh, I used to, you know, uh, classic, this is good stuff from Michael thinking on his feet. I was gonna say, <laughs> another, there's another butter reference. I used to like, just, just thinking about it. I was like, oh, the first time I met my boss's handshake, I've gone in and his fingernails have cut me. And I'm like, that's disgusting. What a pig man. And you just have to tell a minute 30 story about that and have an opinion about something like no man over 30 should have long fingernails. Something really polarizing that, and then you get the mechanics ring up being like, I need them to fill my Phillips head. And then you'll be like, it's a trick because we bought you a trip to Phillip Island. And I don't know, something like that. Like, so it was just constantly doing that sort of stuff. Uh, then moved to Melbourne where I did uh, the national weekend show for a while. Uh, cool radio. You just get shipped around. It's fine. Um, but then they were like, oh, we're thinking about doing this first YouTube radio hybrid where we use the data from YouTube because here's how radio music is picked. Uh, Hi, I'm the boss of Sony. I will murder your children if you don't play these songs. And I will also give Justin Bieber a, uh, I'll tell him to do a song on one of your radio stations live, but you also have to play the songs we tell you. And the radio station goes, hell yeah, baby. Um, and that's how it happens. So like, if you're listening to a song on the radio, commercial radio specifically, and you're like, this is shit, this is a bad song. That's because they got a Justin Bieber on the rooftop. And it's like, they have to push the bad ones because they'll get one of these big dogs. Anyway, so that's happened. And it's like, YouTube was like, we've got day-to-day -day data of what Australians are actually listening to on YouTube part of the Google network. Like this is pretty, you know, solid. Uh, and then, so we would do a daily show of like the top charting songs and then the top charting videos of the day. And so from that, I, I've never thought about this, but it's like, I saw what the id of Australia liked and yeah. it's people falling over or it's a duck in a hat. Um, and keep in mind, this was 2015, you know, still late stage internet, but I can has cheeseburger had some social cachet probably in 2015 still. Um, but yeah, just seeing things like that and seeing the banality and the, uh, the, uh, the public's absolute disregard for quality of production if the content was good. That's a good we would have all listened to on Napster or torrented some shitty version of Dave Chappelle's Raw because, and it would have been 280 bitrate and like 128 kilobytes, like it sounded like garbage, but the content was good. So you listened to it. It didn't matter. And then you would have like Dane Cook do like a Blu-ray thing and you'd be like, you've chosen the wrong career, Dane. Um, so that, that was really interesting to see like on here's the video of the month and it's like a really pixely picture of a monkey eating a banana riding a cat. And you're like, we as people don't care about the quality of production. I think marketing companies have justified it by being like, oh, 1080p. Like I never had a problem with 720p when it was up. Yes, I like 4K now, but you know, yeah. I think it's just one. That was that was a thing I learned that uh, the the agility of content uh, and the ability to get it out is far more important than the end quality, uh, especially in the digital age. In TV, get it right. Does it make you laugh seeing some of these videos that people have liked, like the monkey one? You're like, so, so people spend so much money and time on creating this sort of content and. Some stupid like little video <laughs> of a monkey eating a banana goes. That's the that's what people like. Well, it's the practical application of that you can't predict virality. Like every creative writer, every art director, every young, every junior social strategist has at an agency has just 
sat there sucking their bowels up into their chest when an old suit is just like, we need, need this one to go viral, guys. And it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a price point 15-second YouTube spot. Like, what, what do you want from us, brother? Um, you know, virality is uh, differentiation and you can't do that when you're doing what all your other stuff does. So that's interesting. But you'd see that in big corporate ads. It'd be like, oh, if, you know, a Ford ad had an ad where it's like, this car is $17,990 and then the bonnet gets kicked open and then uh, Greg Larson uh, covered in grease wearing a pair of undies fell out of the bonnet and just screams, I'm the grease man and then skids off and then he goes, $17,990. Like that ad would go viral. Yeah. Because it, it's different. Yeah. You know, like that. And so... Is it disruption? Is it disruption? It's like it's like when your attention. So it's like it's either a threat or something good or positive, and it's like something that breaks that pattern where you you're interested in it. Is that what it is? Like capturing the attention? Well, like let's say we're walking in a beautiful hillside, and then you see a coke can. Yeah, I I see that. Let's say you're walking in the city, and you see a coke can. I don't even notice it. It it disrupts the flow of how you perceive the content to be, uh, like, displaced in its linear narrative, I suppose. It's like, I walk, I step, I do this. So, and it's a classic creative concept, like, oh, let's switch it up. You know, Benjamin Button it, like, let's try and do something different. So, you know, if, if you're having a wedding and then instead of an organist to play the song, it's like a Russian Cossack band, but they've got, you know, the Cannibal Corpse singer. And yeah. you're like, there you go. This is an interesting one. And I, this is what I always say, uh, if you, I, I think you've succeeded in creating some content, creating any, any content is such a broad term. It, creative should be nixed and called content because it's, it's content, it's stuff. Um, if you get someone when they're looking at it to look up a little bit, it's a register to me. Like there's a nostalgia point. There's a recall point. There's a, uh, has this effect, like there's a uh, similarity of lifestyle situation point. Those things are really important to me. Um, I'm going to get like, I've got really bad ADHD. And so I get, I go down paths really quickly. All my bosses will be like, oh, he's going down a rabbit hole. You got to stop him now. But yeah, um, like get that rabbit hole. Yeah, it's, it's just a weird one because uh, the, the rules are really fluid and there's no way to teach them because when you're talking about like, when it comes to content, the most important content is a performance ad. Like, yeah. you know, and keep in mind, I'm a brand creative really like I, I definitely through working at koala which we'll get to um like i understand the the roas of performance and roas is how we buy eggs for our breakfast and that's all that matters really um making money isn't bad making money for bad companies is bad if you make money for good companies that's a good thing uh and so like learning all of these things about performance ads and you're like, this is amazing uh, and then you go see another person another company's performance ad and you're like is that a good ad and you're like, we're not sharing the data with you, so you'll never know. <laughs> like, like we did it. It was in, we're doing a brief right now where one of um, my creatives, Boaz, we had to sort of present to him like what we think are good performance ads. And Cam, I had a performance here. We we're just like, we've been in the game for a while, so this is our gut feel. But I can't prove that this wasn't a like a like a CPM disaster. Like that the cacks were shit. I can't prove that. They'll never give that data out either. It's like mm. Netflix and their bloody, who, how many people have watched it stuff, except for that red notice one, which they really tried to cram down everybody's necks. 
Um, but yeah, and so, and what's really quite good about that is it's, it becomes subjective, I guess. So that's a bit of creative freedom because otherwise you just end up being like, okay, an ad that really hit a price point from the first two seconds. And you can still test. We know how to do testing internally, but let's say I worked at Koala, which would be a thousand dollar average order value uh, e-com product with no brick and mortar. And, you know, uh, like that product with, you would have CPMs of, I don't know, 70 or something. And then you go to Good Pair Days, which is a, you know, a $80 wine box or a hundred and it's like, none of those learnings are applicable now. Mm. Like none of them. It's like, I mean, the, the foundational information, like the, the theory is still there, but the numbers that they've put in now, it's like, I have to, you have to learn it all again. So it's best to not like chase the numbers. Uh, what about and- the similarities though, and the, all the challenges between obviously the performance marketing team and the brand team. So trying to make sure that the creative and that's going, because I feel like it's, it's a different, it's a different skill set. One's creative and one's like, look at the numbers, we're running experiments, what's working, what's not. No, do both. If you can't do both, go work somewhere shit. Like if you're, if you're, if you're a high performance company and my boss is going to be listening to me, James is going to be like, shut up, you're shit. <laughs> quickly. Um, and like, no, there needs to be, and this is a, a really great thing at Koala under Tim Doyle and Charlie Gearside and Phil O'Connor uh, and, and Tom Hunt. The, the, the earmark of good creative is the dismantling of ego, um, uh, which is incredibly important because if you think you're right, you think you're God because you think you know what every human, this mother with a daughter that died yesterday and, and this dad who found a golden shoe and this 40, like you don't know what these people are living through. So all you can do is try to be as nuanced vanilla as possible uh, and what performance analytics give you is the ability to like test intros. So for us at Koala, it was like, anytime we do a long form piece, test the intro, everyone guess which one will win. We always got it wrong. I would have done 10 or so, 50, or however many long form brand pieces. And we always shot three intros to test because we all know on YouTube, getting past that five second is it. You could have literally Jeff Bezos playing the bongos on Bill Gates's head and you know Musk throwing a handful of shit into someone's soup. But if it's three minutes 40 and your intro is like, hi, welcome <laughs> to this, uh, this ad by um, uh, GoDaddy, please. Like, no, it's gone. Like, no one's going to get there. So it's like, you've got to front end everything exciting with remaining respectful to the brand, which, is, uh, a ch- which can be a challenge. And so to my thinking, no. If you're a creative uh, marketing person and you are staunchly against understanding the uh, the honesty of performance numbers, then you are just a you are just a creative. Oh, I don't know, creative still a good word. You, I don't know. You're just lazy. So and I'm incredibly it- lazy, but like it's a way to justify what you do. Like, who gives a shit if you want a gold siren for your that's some old ECD giving you the award that you worked at in an old agency and you had to pay 450 just to enter that one. I'm not going to do the anti-agency thing again, but like it. Get, get what about the ego. anti-paying for awards nights? What are your thoughts? Because we're, we're very paying, you know, like all the marketing teams that they pay the entry fees and they're in, they've won every single award under the sun because they're the only person that's entered and paid the fee to. That sounds a lot from someone. Bitter. Huh? <laughs> we, we didn't enter any of the podcast. Awards. No, we didn't. No, we I used to be on the, um, Brisbane Advertising and Design Club, 
or committee. So the, the bad club in Melbourne, it's the mad club. Uh, it's like the Brisbane Design and Advertising Award. So it's the Khan of Brisbane. Um, and we, it, it was a lot of work to set up the, the, the night. You know, the, we got, I think, Adam Spencer, and he was 15 grand in 2004. So, like, I understand, I don't think it's necessary. And then some friends from the agency world have been like, man, we, like, you remember pitch night, Michael? You remember the idea that it was normal to sleep at the agency because you were trying to do heaps of work you weren't getting paid for? That, like, the client probably already made a handshake agreement to another agency. Like, it's just insane, but so is the monarchy. And I think there's something charming about certain traditions. So, you know, uh, yeah, it costs money to put on award shows, but don't put on the award show. But then they're like, this junior is on $38,000 a year and had to eat a shoe. And it's give him a night of free crown lager. Come on, get <laughs> him onto the crowny son. Um, yeah, no, look, I used to be very anti-ad agency. I'm now very quietly anti-ad agency because there's problems with every industry. Startups are rife with problems. Like feminism's right with, like all of these things that you think are good. Then if you look deeper, there's problems. Uh, so as I say, being perceived as a nightmare, don't post on the internet and just do your best to make your mum happy. Oh, that's good. I was going to say before, like in terms of the structuring up the content and capturing the attention, is it like a pop hit where it's like the chorus is first to hook you into this is the sing-along sort of part is it the is it getting like you said selling the story at the end like the big boom moment at the start and how do you reconstruct that uh, what do you mean in a content piece or in like a performance ad? like a content piece yeah well let's just well this is the way i think about everything in life outcomes what's the outcome what are you after what do you want to achieve like i want to go to bed i uh, sorry i want to fall asleep you're gonna to have to go to bed um or you're gonna sit on a comfortable couch but you know that might take longer to get to the outcome, so it's inefficient. And again, my boss must be listening to this, going, "Who the fuck? I, that, that's not what you do." Um, so you think about your outcome, and if you want an ad to be a top funnel engagement piece to push through to the website, you need to uh, provide really strong engagement. I suppose, like there needs to be a something really disruptive that will fall into either a social ad or a radio ad that makes people go, oh, Greg Larson, the oily man, has just fallen out of a bonnet. I want to find out more. Mm. So there, there is a strategy to doing certain things like, you know, the switcheroo, whether it's uh, rereading like the way, like we did an ad at Bailey Nelson with Progressive being like, oh, he sits on your face so well. Like just, yeah, and it's, it's like, oh, it's a clever twist. Um, yeah, no, there, there are like line and length uh, applications for content. It depends on the time. So if it's a top of funnel, six second uh, push to web traffic ad, like it just needs to be like brand impact in the first, well, you gotta look at your view through rates as well. So what does the average, what does our audience uh, averagely watch uh, our video ads for and it's the same thing if you've got the elon musk poo thing at the end it, it doesn't matter it's like oh do we have a brand impact in the first one second no no we've got a um we've got an end frame do you want to see the the graph of how many people make it to an end frame of a social ad for the iga in lutwich 
No one, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like no one sees that. So you've got to back end all the important stuff in terms of like figure out what your mandatories are and then try to figure out the, the absolute least cringe way to include them into a narrative. Have you got a favorite piece of creative that you've worked on or been a part of? Um, the, and this is going to also sound really cringe, but like the great thing about startup mindset uh, creative is that it's always in beta. So here's one, for example, uh, we didn't add, uh, the concept was everyone's mattress has got their exes come in it. And if you start a new relationship, don't you want to get rid of your exes come? That was the insight. We never said those words. Um, we called it the mattress, like we said, the mattress, the mattress exegism. Um, so like giving your mattress an exorcism, did a couple of funny sage things. Uh, Nina Oyama was in it. Uh, Sarah Gore, like it was, it was just an, a nice idea. You know what I mean? But it went for too long. I think it went for 62 seconds. We got a watch rate of like 16%, which in like my world is hurtful. Um, and so we just took it down. We looked at the, uh, the view, the view metrics and we saw where people were leaving and we we're like, it's 16 seconds until we get to the Koala Mattress reference. Like, I don't care if we like this joke. It, we're not here, like, go write books if you want to tell a story. You're mm -hmm. doing, you're making Danny and Mitch and the shareholders money, and that's fine because you believe in the ethos of the brand. But it's like, find the, find the quickest way to get here. And what a lot of places do and agencies do, which is why I love the in-house model, because it's like, oh, agency's finished up. I've done my job. I'm on to the next client. I have 14 billable hours for, and the content sucks. And I don't think they go check in on it. Then I'm like, hey, what are the view through rates on that second cut down? Talking about the pricing, but oh, not good. Let's see what I can, like, they're not going to do that. Um, so that, yeah. that falls into what you were saying before. You need to know the performance side of it because that is what it is. It's, it's understanding the feedback and implementing. Oh, you're just dangling an anti-agency carrot in front of me. Like, that's the thing. It's, you know how they're like, oh, the ad agency is full of like, you know, middle-aged white men with egos. Mm. Yeah, because they've never seen the fucking view-through rates on their shitty ads. <laughs> they sit there and they have a fucking IPA and they're like, oh, that was a good spot. And like no normal person liked that spot. The other 16 dudes with beards and a flannel and, I don't know, red wings was like, yeah, it's some nuance to this, Greg. No, nuance in peripheral viewing when the kid's crying and dad's got diarrhea? No. Like, we were doing, we did a, sw a spot of um, uh, radio ads the other day at Bally Nelson, and we were like, we we're playing them. And I had the realization I'm like, everyone's listening to them. That's not how you consume. Mm. When, when I'm when radio's on in the car, like, someone's like, oh, Mark, I'm going to shoot you in the head unless you tell me what that ad that was literally just on was about. And I'd be like, shoot me in the head. Love you, mum. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and that's and so then you've got to start. It's a really interesting thing. Like if you think about content production in the organic context, yes, eyeballs are there of their own volition. If you think about performance ads, nobody wants to see your shit at all. Yes, they may have opted in, but still, especially with YouTube, it's like they're on a journey to another ad, like another content piece. Mm. Like... And it's going to be better, probably, regardless of the quality. Like, you know, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of an example. Like, you're interrupting a Celine Dion concert with a Vanessa Amorossi concert. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like, 
Mm. It's like, this isn't as good as that. Why have you put this here? Mm. And that doesn't complement it. Well, no, no, yeah. no, no. It's not, it's not about that. It's, um, it's to, look, apologies to everyone for that shit analogy. They'll, they'll happen sometimes, but it's, it's a, it's a, um, you know, it's a, they're on a pathway to get to a good content piece that they've chosen to view an ad is just something that they don't want to see that's stopping them get to something that they want to see. Mm. Like it, so, so that to me is the art of real creative, getting people to watch something they don't want to watch doing a cool, you know, um, Nike ad specifically for basketballers um, or like, you know, a, a alien workshop ad for skateboarders. Like, yeah, yeah. And with good targeting, like you can get it in front of the right people and you're essentially shooting organic spots as performance ads, which is really important. Um, but yeah, like getting a creative, like a really great piece of creative in front of people that has great view through rates. That's the proof of that. That's the, the proof of a real, like a really talented creative, in my opinion. Do you know people have, yet? people have become more and more aware? Like I know, like, you know, like go through Instagram, every fourth thing you go through, there's going to be an ad. Like people become more and more aware of where ads are being inserted into their, their viewing. Has it made your job harder? Say that one more time, sorry. You know, when like, I've, since you got into working into this area, this field, right? Working in content, getting in marketing, all this sort of stuff, getting things in front of people they don't want to see as an ad. Mm. Now have people become more aware of where ads are and what they are? Has it, has it made it harder? Because I feel like I, I know exactly when- On I Instagram, it's every third photo. Yeah, you know, I know exactly yeah. when an ad's coming up. On YouTube, I'm exactly the same. I'm, I'm zoned out. I'm waiting to click skip ad. You know, I'm, yeah, I, but I'm, I'm aware. It was just like the way, it was like, you know, in early June, 2011, oh, this just looks like a regular crowd of people. And then by the end of like December, I was like, this is a flash mob. This, this is a flash mob. Like you, you perceive, you learn, you, you, you know, you adapt really quickly to fucking up every marketer's life constantly, which is fair because we're ruining the world, which is fine because it's, you know, this is going to happen, but like, you've got to be good. And how do you do that as a creative in the eighties? Don Draper wouldn't have given a shit. You know what I mean? Like, I haven't watched Mad Men, so I don't know if the 80s feels right. Was it 60s? I don't know. I think it was um, earlier. I've watched, I watched Mad Men start to finish. And when it, when I watched the final episode- You always episode, had a whiskey with it, didn't you? And no, you I smoked never, a cigar I never, I never did either of those things. But I finished the full seasons and I was, was like, like, what happened? It was the most, it was a season. <laughs> it was a show about absolutely nothing, but not in a good way like Seinfeld. You know what I mean? It was just a show that nothing really exciting happened, but went for eight seasons. Wow. You, you said you well, liked Welcome it. to the average tenure in an ad agency. Um, <laughs> I've never lasted that long in any job. So who am I to say that? Uh, no, I think any, look, any lodged complaint against, uh, from marketers on how it's, uh, it's unfair because the, the customers are seeing like they're too clever now. It's like, you're getting paid six figures, my brother, be cleverer, you know? Yeah not a word be more clever um <laughs> no so no i don't think i don't think i mean it's a valid statement we can tell ads in a heartbeat but do it differently disrupt what are be some disrupt. of the um in terms of like clickbait and stuff and, and getting down that are we like you don't do you want it to be as as like I, I know when i'm looking at something i'm like oh that's clickbait they're not really saying who's in it and i have to click it and i'll probably read the comments you know i mean to, to me like you've got to like define the clickbait thing and not define it, define it, but understand the, the logic is to me, it's using a, an inflammatory or a subversive element to a story and leading with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like let's say Justin, Justin yeah. Bieber and Delta Goodrum took the dog for a walk. Um, and Justin's like, get in dog. 
and like they capture that and be like, get in dog says Bieber to Delta. And you're like, okay, that that's, that's, that's no. not what it was. You know what yeah. I mean? Because like they can't be defamed because it yeah. happened, but it's just like, all right. And this data probably showed them because at least, you know, I mean, who's to say print and digital media were clever with tech, but like they probably saw some junior writer wrote that spot and it was like, uh, this has got 18 times the engagement. Do more of that. Yeah. That's a CMO at, you know, pack mags, I suppose. Like, what about your personally, like, who have you like learned from? Are there other people out there in in this sort of field in the game that you look up to that you like their type of work? People that, if they're listening, they can go and find and, I don't know, watch some of their ads or find some stuff that they can learn from? Uh, Like, the Carlton Draft big beer ads uh, and the Carlton Draft ads from like, I think it was like, I'm going to get it wrong. Um, like Ant Sharwood and maybe Matt Eastwood, perhaps. Um, like they were the they were great ads. Um, yeah, they were just fantastic spots. That there's no application for me, if you know what I mean. There's no application for anyone working in a startup unless you maybe Canva, but even that's a like it's a SaaS tool. I don't really think like it doesn't have the emotional cachet of shitty domestic beer. Um, uh, I, I knew nothing about the startup landscape until I started at Koala uh, and Tim, Tim Doyle and Charlie Gearside, uh, who were the CMO and the chief creative officer, the, the CD at the time, um, like the, the way they approached and Danny Millam as well. Like he, the dude is, he did all the original branding before everyone came in at Koala. Um, uh, just their way of being as clever and, sharp as me but like not being six minutes late for a meeting or mm. like not like fucking up something like they're just they're, it was like yeah, i'm sure everybody listening would be like has had that thought where they're like i could do i could do a startup i could do camper and then if they ever get privileged enough to be within like day-to-day contact with the founder they're like oh no i'm not a psychopath i'm not a, like i'm not out getting cooked with investors till 4am and then at the gym at 4.45 after like a quick meditation, like they just operate differently. And I'm probably, I haven't met it all founders. I'm sure there are some dog shit ones, but it's like they live the life that like, like an expensive journal suggests you should live. It's Mm. like drink eight glasses of water a day. And Daniel will be like checking it off. (laughs) (laughs) Do the right things. Whereas I'm like, Nutella's got water in it. I'll lick this off the back there. And that's my, yeah. So they're a different breed to me. Um, so uh, Charlie and, and Tim really sort of instilled in that. Uh, here's your creative, Michael. You've come from radio. You've you've come from being a fun, like comedy person on the internet, you know, doing comedy acting, doing bits of, not really knowing exactly what my path was, but just enjoying giving a bit of a laugh to people here and there. Uh, and they're like, how do you know it's good? I'm like, oh, and people are laughing. He's like, how can you tell it when you're telling it to hundred thousand people over the internet? He's like, and, there's, and he's like, there's no, I'm like, oh, I guess there's no way to know. And he's like, there is, this didn't happen. I'm just tightening it down. But yeah, and you could see the results of things and they managed to sell to a bunch of creatives, like hardcore Facebook metrics in a real horny way. And I'd be like, like I do a performance spot, like a, you know, Koala does mattresses better than the big dogs and they're changing the way you buy mattresses. And like, I just do that little spot and Lulu would make it up and we'd it'd just be like after effect. There'd be no shooting content. And like, I'd be like, Hey, how's that? Uh, 
how's the uh, disrupting ad going? What's the view through? Oh, it's pretty strong. All right. What do we do? And then I would sit there and I'm like, every other copywriter I would chat to um, from any agency that they're, they're like, not only are they like, do they not have access to that? There are active walls between them to learning that stuff. So they can only ever get it by a trickle down, maybe mention in a meeting where they're really just there to get the sandwiches at the end. Like, whereas at Koala and at, I believe, you know, most good content focused businesses, the performance team, the creative team, and then the data team are, you know, a holy trinity of uh, thoughtful content, like thoughtful output with no ego because we can all have a favorite but the numbers don't lie. And it's like, and people be like, oh, well, no, there's got to be human, you know, nuance. No. And it's liberating to finally see like, oh, I guess I was wrong. It doesn't matter. Mm. You know, the number, like I learned from that. Like so many people be like, no, 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 this one is better. And I'm like, no, like more people wanted to watch this one. And yes, it may be a better ad if it went to the Emmys and like, you know, a bunch of, you know, blokes decided on it, but this is capitalism. This ad's role was to push engagement. This one has objectively pushed more engagement. Therefore, it is better. Mm. Like, it's treating it like a, from a scientific point of view and like, hey, we've put, it's like how we see things and how we test experiments and run things. It's like, we'll push an MVP out of that, see what the response is, tweak the things or kill the thing. If it, if it sucked. It, no, I think that ego thing that you've made a good point, yeah. it's, it's really important to dig into that because I feel like it's, it's not an easy thing for people to not attach their ego to their ideas. I've done this and this is what I think. And this you know, like my idea is you know, my, my credibility, this is my ideas. This is, but how, how, like obviously working no, with no, these no. Sort of companies, detaching ego from ideas. If you're so, like, it's that whole like cogito ergo sum, like I think therefore I am right to me and that's it. I'm not right to you and I'm not right to you, but you can formulate a narrative flow. And then with your lived experience of hopefully not just being, you know, a boring person, you know, that's why you'll always talk to a copywriter and it'll be like, oh, and then I lived in Tanzania for a year and uh, and then I decided to be a pandemic and then I stumbled into writing uh, the ads at my local coffee shop and some guy said, you, that, that's how it'll happen. And they're always the best in the same way that like career politicians suck. Someone who sort of just did good things for the community and then got given an opportunity, they're always better. They just need a really great management support work next to them because there are, you know, lots of foibles through the industry. We're now back in advertising or, or creative, you know. You know, you don't, you know, try to connect to the internet in a, in a Marubra cafe. While you're trying mm. to pitch your company, don't do that. It's a little inside joke for us. That's only for us three. That was a bit of pre-pod chat, guys. Actually, <laughs> and everyone at Bally Nelson will also be like, ha 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 ha. We we did watch the accountant on New Year's Eve, didn't you? You gave it a riveting review. It is a fantastic movie. Ben Affleck's uh, be like the believability that he is the most brutal murderer in the world just isn't there for me. He's too uh, sexy. And I know. Uh, look, you're always looking to switch up the disrupt the channels. Uh, this is obviously the. Uh, the, the pod movie recommendation uh, that we do every uh, every day uh, that's yeah. now just happened today. The movie Mother with an exclamation mark at the end and then yeah. the movie Midsommar, two excellent films that will ruin your like will ruin your day. So go watch them. Incredible films. You know those films that you wish you could erase your memory so you could watch them again? Those are my two films. This looks absolutely psycho. It's uh, 
A couple travels to Northern Europe to visit a rural hometown's fabled Swedish Midsummer Festival. What begins as an idyllic retreat quickly devours. Is it it? Yeah, that's it. It's incredible. It's incredible. And what's Violent and bizarre competition at the hands of the pagan cult. I like and that. That makes it sound, that, that sounds really boorish, like, mm, pagan cult, cool. No. No, this is like, you know, the Jackson 5 are out to kill you. Like, I don't know. So you're like, a horror man. You're a horror buff. You like all horror this and romantic comedy. Make really? me cry or make me scared. Just make me fucking feel something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what, about, what, about com- what about comedy? No. Fuck, no. I hate comedy. You know why? My friends are funnier. Yeah. Because my friends are writing and outputting content that's so specific to me. Yeah, like that's how I've, got, I've got a tattoo on my leg uh, that it, it has SFAG and it means scrad fucked a ghost. One time he hooked up with a girl at our house and she didn't want to be seen. So she put a blanket over her body and just walked out of the house and someone said, scrad fucked a ghost. And now any mention of ghosts within our friendship group, like will reduce us all to tears and no comedy writer at NBC can give us that level of insight. So whilst Adam Sandler's grown up seven may tickle the, you know, the, the comedy buds of, you know, families worldwide. If you've got a good group chat, you're laughing. You know, if you've got good, good fellas and good girls, good everyone at work, you're laughing. So I don't bother with comedy really. I bother with how often does a man with a chainsaw come after you? Not often. So, Does it, do you find it hard to watch content though? Like, I feel like you'd be a bit like us. You'd be it's like the deli. It's I, like if you work in the deli, you're going to be the meat. You know how it's made. Like I've, tr- I've said, I've gotten rid of the ego. I, no, I haven't. You know, I look at what the sports bet boys do, and I'm like, fuck! I wish I had their freedom, their budgets. You know what I mean? Like, I just look at that. What, like, what Rambo and Hammy and the boys got? And I'm like, you, you, you remade Chopper. Oh, fuck! Um. And what else? Uh, liquid death. I just think like liquid death mountain water or can, the cans of water, um, like they're creative, like in the same way that it's like give someone rough around the edges the right opportunity, but give them good structure and they'll succeed really well. Um, uh, like liquid death is like a your mates in a metal band's dumb idea who did it and had zero business knowledge and the business flopped in two seconds like they had really strong foundational like uh, team and it's just their creative is just like yeah incredible incredibly funny like they did a series of kids toys like the dolphin with the with the straw up its nose that we all remember with blood coming out all over it and like a, a sea turtle but with its stomach all rotten out rot out with like six pack holders in there like it, it's just every other company would say no to that. Now, like, no, this is funny. That should be having a good sus now. We're having a good look. Oh, I saw someone, um, was it shotgun and the shotgun and the beer when they've got the yeah, oh, the shotgun yeah, the can. yes, they've got the kids with it on the slab, kids sitting on the slabs. I like that. Oh, yeah, the turtle with the nose with the blood coming out. Yeah, it's is that Jay Weinberg too? He's the drummer from Slipknot. There you go. I was thinking Max Weinberg uh, from the Max Weinberg 7, who I believe was the Jay Leno. Was that Max Weinberg? Hold on. I actually think that Max Weinberg's son is the drummer from Slipknot. Yeah, it actually, is. No, it is. Jay Weinberg. His dad's a famous drummer. Yeah. Well, thank you. Because I was about to say, Michael, you might be being racist because Weinberg's probably a pretty popular name outside <laughs> of where I live. 
Um, That's yeah, true. Uh, horror and uh, romantic comedy. My favorite, yeah. my three favorite films are uh, About Time is my num- number one film. Uh, number two is very problematic, and I apologize for it. I don't pay for it, but Midnight in Paris by Woody Allen. Uh, Woody's obviously not not uh, on the nose. Well, he's on the nose. Uh, and the third one is Love Actually. I know it's also apparently pretty problematic, but uh, I'm sitting there naked in my couch at home. I'm not. This isn't impacting me. It's the 64th time I've watched it. Rowan Atkinson not doing up that little package quickly, and Emma Thompson not getting this the ring and getting a seat. Like everyone knows that shit. Like it's. <laughs> Like, yes, 50-year-old men are courting 26-year-old women. That's silly. But who wrote it? 50-year-old men, and they want to date 60-year-old women. I heard, I heard they were going to try and tear that down or stop cancel making Cancel culture. Yeah. Cancel culture oh, yeah. Take, yeah. Uh, love actually down. Well, the, the real cancel culture is just people. Yeah. Like, if, if, if media... Like, this is like, you know when your phone's dead? Mm. And you're like, someone could be dead, right? Nothing exists outside of the media bubble. Like, you, you would have to talk to someone on your trip into town. They'd be like... Dennis Rodman, uh, you know, had sex with a pig. And you'd be like, wow, I gotta tell my other people. And then that would be like, yeah, wow, that's that didn't happen. Dennis Rodman, I don't know how litigious you are. Um, but like the real cancel culture is people watching and turning things off. And if they do that, I mean obviously there are some moments where you have to take a stand and be like, no, you can't use you can't use that word. People need to know it's not the right word, and the audience may not care, but you know. Yeah, I don't want to get into that because I'm 35 year old white man. I don't need to tell people how to do things. Um, but yeah, uh, I I do look at a lot of content. Liquid Death, I think, is a great company in terms of a Tony's chocolate only. In terms of like, uh, I, I don't want to say Oatly because I, it, yeah, it's great. Oatly's great. It's fine. It's it's good. You know what I mean? It's like oh, name a great director and an art wanker would be like yes, Spielberg's fine. He's cool. Whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, yes, of course they're good. Everyone knows they're good. Uh, I, I, you know, you find out that they like cut the IP claim for a small company in England called OT and everyone's just like, oh, they got too big for their boots. <laughs> Which is what happens to everyone because, I mean, you've just got to protect your IP, I assume. But, um, yeah, Tony's Chocolate Lonely uh, and Liquid Death, I think, I think they're if you're a young brand designer, you're a young uh, uh, creative content producer, those are two companies where you'd be like, what's really important to me is like, you, you have to be doing social good. You have to be. If you, if you have any form of soul and conscience, which as a redhead I, is very bold of me to talk about souls, uh, but like you can't like, like the rigmaroles of 2022 day-to-day living are so bleak and anything like, if you're sitting there at greasing the gears to like put more widgets in the hand of 64 investors that are all white men, like it's just like, bro, that'll get to you eventually. Mm-hmm. And people be like, oh, no, nah, I'm not woke. I'm not a feminist. I'm like, homosexuality was illegal in Tasmania in like 95 or something. Do you think it? And they're like, no, well, I'm not. No, I don't think it should be illegal. And I'm like, we're all going to progress like that. Mm-hmm. I guarantee the most insanely progressive person today is going to be Hitler in about 600 years. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you didn't let Dennis Rodman have sex with that pig? What is wrong with you animals? Like, <laughs> like, so that's a recall gag, guys. Recall gag. The audience knows. They'll get it. Um, a bit of a content little tip there. Yeah, like, so you have to have something good going on for the company you work for. And it's also indicative of at least uh, foundational owners that care. And I think if you care, you're probably a good person. 
And if you're a good person, you're probably good to work for. I don't mind that. I hey, like that. good segue. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Whatever it is, a segue. <laughs> it's a segue. segue. It's a segue. It's a pause. Hey, our part of the show, Heaps Normal, non-alcoholic beer. Question we ask by our guests is, what is your version of Heaps Normal? What's the thing that you turn to when you need a bit of energy back in your life? <laughs> you nailed it. Thank you. I, I really like that. As an ex-radio man, incredible, like speed up right at the end, get it out. Like, you know, <laughs> giving around our skull cans, go all around. Like, like it's just really strong. <laughs> But then I was just going to be like, I think depression is an like an ever-present moment that you'll have to learn to live with, depending on the uh, the damage, the trauma you went through as a child and a young adult did to your ability to heal and grow. So uh, I think, like, I, like I've gone through like like an incredibly shit hard time that this last two years, like, and it, it's actually really funny. I was talking to a friend the other day, I'd never had depression my entire life. My entire life, I'd been like, mm, have a cup of water. You know what I mean? To my friends with depression. I'm like, don't kill yourself. Um, and then yeah. and then, sort of like a, a life, mo- like a, some, a thing happened to me and I, uh, and it was just like, oh, I think I probably might go kill myself. And it doesn't go away ever. Um, but uh, like, I and it's, prudent timing because in 1992 it just would have been like i think i'm the only person in the world suffering with this so like mm. at least there is a discussion broadly about uh you, you know let's say you had a, just a fetid rash on your scrot and no one was talking about it and everyone and they'd be like i gotta cut my scrot off just and it's like no like that if everyone yeah. just, so we we're talking about it now which gives a sense of community and community is the reason bacteria made legs and I'm not a scientist, but it feels like community is the only reason we're here. You're isolated. You're nothing. You know, you're just a fleck. But if you have many things, you know, turns into capitalism and rules, ruins, ruins the world again. So, <laughs> yeah, look, I, I just think, um, I, I think awareness of what happened to you previously, like when you buy a car, you check the, the past owner history. And it was like, oh, it was owned by Evil Knievel, Dick Johnson and Steve-O. You'd be like, sound investment no you'd be like wow this car's probably been through some stuff it would make sense to get a professional to maybe go and have a dig dig around um and that might actually prevent like future damage mm. and we'll do that to a car in a heartbeat but we won't look under the hood of a future boyfriend which i think is really important privacy is obviously really you know something to think about unless you're a facebook advertiser but like we should be more and i remember like three years ago on tinder you'd be like i need people who are aware of their intergenerational trauma and i was like wanker like i can grow up like, I'm like okay pretty well off dude like but it's and it's it's not about that though it's not a a, a color like a, a race or a creed thing it's a creed <laughs> with arms wide open <laughs> um it's not like who you are it's it's um like it's it's a really interesting one because you, 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 we all know people who have had really hard lives and there's almost like a tipping point internally where you go, it's not my fault. And, you, and once you do that, there's no coming back because you've stiff up a lip it forever and then you'd be a farmer in 1973 and you'd kill yourself and that would be it. That, would be the, that, that was it. But there's a moment where you like, and everyone who's gone through sort of like some heart depression shit, you have the sit down ugly cry. Like you just... Like, mm. and it hit you. Like, I got mine after having a wank. <laughs> yeah. It was terrifying. And I had sat there, like, screaming. 
And I was, because I was, I was like, and it was, I, I was just holding the side of the cap saying, it's not my fault, it's not my fault. And like, that's really hard because yeah. from that day on, I realized it's not my fault. So someone else is to blame. And then there's anger entering your life as opposed to self-resent. Like, I'm not a psychologist person, but, you know, I look at Instagram a fair bit and they put some pretty, pretty snazzy news on there on your mental health. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and that, look, I'm only on the very start of my journey, but you, you can't not give it a small period of time. Like if you're a startup person, have a look at your daily plan, have a look at your output, have a look at like your, you know, your bottlenecks, have a look at, and you'll do, people will do that with their fucking smoothies. They'll be like, oh, it's, this one's got some, some seeds from a pro. And it's like, well, why don't you have a look about that whole thing about whenever an older man moves towards you, you flinch. And you're just like, oh, I guess my dad hit me a bit. So well, no, no, that's, that does more than that. Like, and that's not me. I'm not saying that that was me. I'm just trying to think of an example. Like yeah. you've got to understand that things that happen to you and it's not about being a victim. It's just about knowing that Steve-O is fucking fanging down the Bruce highway at 180 in mm. like your Mitsubishi Magna. And you've got to be aware of that because if you want to open up, you know, open up the engines and really let it run, you've got to be aware that there's things in there like gammy knee from a footy game ages ago that could play up and that will impact your family if you, you know, crash into a stoby pop. Yeah. I feel like people do everything to bear who they really are sometimes. You know, they put the put the mask on and sometimes having that support around you, like you're saying, having them conversations like 92, the internet now, you can you can have that community where you can connect with people and and have that support and really bounce off each other and, and really be there for each other. But knowing that it's okay to feel like that, you know, and that everyone feels a bit fucked. I've always thought that too. Like there's times no in life where it, it gets pretty hard and you're like, fucking hell, like you know, is like, it just me feeling like that or is it other people like that? You know, it's good having the open dialogue now, I suppose. And it's not a, it's not a weak thing. It's a, it's a good thing. Oh uh, yeah. Look, I almost think it's important to like eradicate the word weakness from like, it's very like I can has cheeseburger 2015 energy. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not weak to speak. And I'm like, anyone who says that is generally a pretty shitty person and will bully their friends. Absolutely. For wearing a new pair of loafers to the pub. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. uh, th that are you okay day culture i think is important in the way that we used to not see ads in our stream and now we can a lot of, once people have woken up a little bit to like the importance of understanding mental health they see the f and there was good intention behind it there was good intention behind thalidomide unfortunately it made children's arms like little paddles um but like you need to go, oh, this isn't doing well anymore. We need to change this. I, I think Are You Okay Day needs to absolutely just be canned. Like, and it now needs to be um, like, here's what I can do to help day. And it's like, like, like Are You Okay? Is a, that's a statement. People say it's a question. No, it fucking isn't. Not when Claire's walking through middle, like morning tea. No one has the time. And I'm not going to go into that because everyone's talked about it. But yeah, like, I think things change you know what i mean mm. things progress big brands win and are you okay i don't want to change and i apologize if you guys have got something to do are you okay day but like it and it did its job in the same way that you know uh we've moved on we've moved on from that it's more conversation yeah we progressed it's yeah. better it's like you know a woman's weekly cookbooks from 1993 that's a great fudge brownie cake but we've got Adriana Zumbo telling me how to bloody crock and bush a fucking, you know what I mean? Like we've progressed and you've, you've got to not just let investment stop, you know, the community. 
fucking cable cable to the node internet you know what i mean like whatever that shit is like it's like they're like no this is what we do i'm like that's ruined our country a lot we should have checked man i can't believe i went there can't believe i went (laughs) whatever it is um yeah boys well hopefully we've covered some things in there that have helped anyone out have you got any final thoughts Hey, last one. It's the start of 2022. What are you excited about this year? What's on your plate? Um, it's, uh, no, I'm not going to say that. Uh, journaling. I bought a My Goals daily journal. I've used it three out of 11 days. That's better than nothing. Um uh, uh, learning to uh, learning to I'm not going to say forgive myself but like uh, I don't know just learning to accept that you are the product of your choices very important and uh, pottery I've started I bought a pottery wheel and I make pottery now sick oh my god so it's the and and uh, slander Dennis Rodman on podcasts He'll be listening too. So, Did, are, is all your bowls in the kitchen? Are they all yours? Is all the all the stuff? I'm only a month in. Oh, you only month. Yeah. What have you made so far? Uh, I've made. So with a wheel, really, you're limited to round shaped things. Like vase. And vase. look, for the pod, this isn't going to be helpful for a lot of people. But like, here's you can what, share you know, some like, photos. Yeah, we can describe it. Oh my god, they're pretty. I like yeah. that. It's it's really it's it's free therapy. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think everyone needs to do something that can take their mind off thinking. Yeah, if you know what I mean. Like you know how a lot of like blokes will be like, no, meditation's not for me. Golf is. Yeah. Anything that lets you exist for a moment without the like impending doom time, and if you're happy, that's fine. Golf's just cool. You can. Mm. I don't know, wear shorts everywhere. I don't know. But like, if you're down and struggling, it's like, I tried to do that headspace stuff. And I was like, I'm just brief, say, going three, two, one. I'm like, oh, I'm not thinking for 10 minutes. Mm. That's pretty important when, you know, there's only 16,000 in a day. T- t- that 10 matters. Mm. And maybe there's a trickle down. Anyway, let's not go down that, those paths. Boys, well, that's how I, I trick my body into like, if I, if I feel stressed out or whatever, I'll have an ice cold shower. You know, because that'll just be like, oh my fucking god, I'm freezing. You know, and I was like, it almost sends a thing to my brain. It's like you can't think about anything. Else. It's the right thing having five showers a day. So <laughs> I, think we, I think we need to change what we're doing. Hard, you know, it's it, you're, you're the journal life. It's the right thing to do. It just fucking sucks. It's yeah. hard. It sucks. I like getting in a big toasty warm one and having a big cup of po- cocoa pops for breakfast. That's why I'm not the founder of Koala. <laughs> They eat the blood of new children and they have Wim Hof ice baths every day and then they succeed. It's how it works. <laughs> Man, thank you so much for jumping on. Let us pick your brain. Unreal chat. Uh, Loved it. Epic. Thank you so much. Thank you, uh, my dudes. And uh, go and, you know, just be the best version of what your decisions have led you to be. Big bad Michael Beveridge. Uh, I feel like we need to get him on the pod uh, a few times throughout the year just because I feel like he's got so much gold. Yeah, he does. I like his hair. I'm jealous. You know, if I had hair, I'd dye it red and have it exactly like that, I reckon. You reckon? I reckon. He's a cool, funky cat. I just think... Just a good dude. I'm looking at his. If you if you want to follow along on his journey, hit him up on uh, LinkedIn. He doesn't use Instagram much, but he's a lurker. He's like my grand. You know, he just lurks on there. I've seen him comment on a few things, but uh, yeah, he's a man. Hey, if you're new to the pod, we drop guest episodes Monday, Thursday. Snacks pods, you know, they come at you hot. Tuesday, Wednesday, hot or not drops Friday. And we'll be back again tomorrow for another episode. See you then. This has been a Wellbeing Network podcast. <laughs>